0: toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. I, I was saying to some people earlier, it's, it's very easy for me to walk up in, the, in front of the church and make an announcement. Uh, it's easy for me with my experience uh, with youth ministry to speak in front of high school or middle school students. But when Tom asked me to do this and I said, uh, sure, it was uh, right before Jim Weber shared his testimony up here. And after that, I thought, wow, that's a pretty high bar. I'm not sure if I still want to do it because this group to me is very intimidating because it's a it's a room full of peers. And as I'll share during my testimony and uh, the verses that are important to me, I'll explain why you know I, I've grown over time with a feeling of unworthiness to be standing here or that my story isn't interesting and that I might not, have uh, a story or a history that's relevant or uh, valuable to share to to my peers. But so many of my peers that sit in this room have had so much to do with my spiritual growth um, and me growing as a Christian and kind of uh, learning through and developing as, do we give up on the microphone? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Good. I didn't forget about that. <laughs> okay. I'll get to all the good <laughs> stuff the while he's away. <laughs> we, we psyched the AV guy. Right. So um, wh- the, it, while he's gone, oddly enough, uh, when one of the things that I wanted to share about is what what scripture is really important to me, and I'll I'll start with my... Favorite verse, and and oddly enough, it's in, uh, can you guess what book of the Bible it's in? Thank you. Romans, uh, since we've been in it for a year. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And... This Bible was gifted to me when I was in high school and it's been with me forever and that has always been the verse that is defining for me and mainly because of one word in that verse and it's all. So it's relevant not only to me but it's relevant to anybody that you speak to on earth because it's inclusive and um, My unworthiness came from just feeling like I wasn't good enough. Um, We haven't given up on it. We're studying Romans, by the way. Oh, cool. (laughs) We don't. But I thought what I would, um, I'd share my favorite verse, which is that verse in Romans, but I'd also like to kind of summarize what I want the takeaway to be, because the reason talking to a group of peers and sharing a testimony is hard for me is because a lot of the times it, it feels to me like I'm talking about myself. And the most important thing about myself is my relationship with Jesus. And I know that in my personal life and in my daily life that that might not be the quality that shows through all the time to other people and that's why that verse is important because I feel like I have uh, friends who are in the same place but the other things that I want to, to uh, take away is I'm going to talk about my involvement in this church, my involvement in ministry outside of the church Nice Dave Nice Dave Um, Oh, there we go. Not that tall, (laughs) though. So so the value of the involvement that, is this working now? Yes, Yes, it is. What's that? Yeah, I do work for a tech company, which is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) The operations piece of that is important. There's no technical side of my ability in that company. Good? Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, great, now that we, got, we have that behind us. So I'm gonna talk about what I've been involved in, how important I think it is for each of us to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm gonna talk about uh, my involvement in missions and how that has defined my life. I'm also gonna talk about the value of mentorship. I've had a couple mentors in my life that have meant a lot to me. And I have also been a mentor uh, to people. And so if, if we think about those four things in that verse, that's kind of what I'm gonna come back to. So um, I think that Tom mentioned earlier that I was single. Being single as a Christian and being as old as I am, I turned 50 this year, it's it's different. Uh, but it ha- it has afforded me the ability to be involved in a lot of things that I know had I married the girl that I thought I was going to marry when I graduated from college and uh, had children that my life would look a lot different than it does today. Um, I have chosen as an individual to look back at that and think about, you know, should I, do I regret where I am today? Uh, and, And I don't because I trust that God has, placed me right where he needed to be over the past 49 years to serve in the way he wants me to serve. And that if it's his will for me to, to meet somebody and uh, to settle down with a wife, that he'll provide that. And I, and I trust that, and if he doesn't, I've, I've come to terms with that being okay too. But I like to talk about it because it's odd. It is something that's different about me, but it has given me a lot of unique opportunities in my life. So how did I show up at Grace Point 25 years ago? Um, It was because of a girl. And since Matt Gibson's not here, um, it won't be as embarrassing to share this story. But in high school, I I grew up Catholic. I came to know Christ at a camp in North Carolina called Windy Gap. It was through a program called Young Life, which is an organization I'm still involved in today as a committee member, but as a high schooler, I had friends that uh, said, "We want you to come along to a camp, and I can vividly remember um, you know from a, a short weekend from a Friday Friday to a Sunday, they were intentionally sharing an abridged version of the gospel story for high school students who had never heard the gospel story and what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That was the first time that I had heard of that concept because I had grown up in the Catholic Church and I can remember them through the weekend, uh, starting with this sphere that was kind of covered in Reynolds wrap and it was pierced from all different directions. As they unpacked the gospel through four presentations over the weekend, they were taking components of this out and what was what was left was a fresh unpierced piece of fruit. And they made an analogy about all the the sin and the things that happen to us in the world and how uh, coming to know Christ and that redemption you know, makes us free. And I remember as a cool high school student that was making all the wrong decisions in my life, sitting on the floor next to my friends and I was one of the people who was sitting there with tears dripping from my eyes because that was the first time I met Jesus. So fast forwarding to how I got to Grace Point because of a girl, when I was in New York City uh, with my first job out of college, uh, my parents and some other parents were trying to start Young Life in Bucks County. One of the volunteer leaders was a, a, a young woman named Beth Gibson. And my mom said, We'll come and pick you up in New York. We'll bring you to Bucks County. We think you should meet these people and be a part of this ministry again as an adult. We think it would be good for you. And I, kicking and screaming, said, I'm, you know, I'm not interested. And so I came all the way back kicking and screaming. I went to the Young Life meeting, and there was a woman there named Beth Gibson. And I was like, I need to date that woman, so sure, I'm going to be involved in Young Life. Uh, it didn't work out that way, but uh, the Lord did lead me back to Bucks County, and I got involved in that ministry back then, and one of the students, a number of the students were uh, from this church. The If you if you know the Curryluck family, their youngest son, uh, BJ or William, was coming to Young Life. So I, I met him and all of his friends and his family, I was going to St. Ignatius, and all the kids that I was hanging, high school students I was hanging out with uh, for young life came to what was First Baptist Church in Newtown. So I ended up at First Baptist. I was fortunate enough to have been, I've seen a lot uh, transition here and change over time. That's been uh, amazing. But I'm one of the people that Chris McCluskey was a youth pastor when I first started coming around here. And Um, Dave Ritter was the senior pastor and um, Young Life for me transitioned into uh, Chris asking me if I would be a Sunday school teacher and I said yes and then I ended up uh, volunteering for Kairos when we still called it Kairos and then uh, years later uh, when Pastor Dave started here at the church uh, he had asked me for a year to be involved uh, with Bill Wright in uh, leading the high school youth group during a transition period, and and I said I would do that. So that's my history uh, with Grace Point and how I got here, and I think it's a miracle that that I'm still here. It's by the grace of God, and I'll share why, because I think one of the things that has helped me grow as a Christian man uh, over the past 25 or 30 years is making mistakes, and uh, share a couple fun stories. And I've shared this before, and David Holmes didn't get upset when I did share it. So where is David? Oh, sorry. I know I'm small. Yeah, I'm small too, so we we get lost in a crowd. So we were were across the hall one time. I, I love this story because I respect David a lot. And if you've heard David pray or you've heard a sermon from David, just love to hear him. Uh, what he has to say and share and the youth group and invited him to share. And that night I was responsible for the icebreaker for the game. And then David walked in the room and I started to revisit, like, should I be playing this game? And what I, what I wasn't aware of, it was in the 2000s. It was no longer 1980 where certain things were acceptable. And I had divided our, the 50 kids in the room into to two lines and we were going to have a race. And I said, do it boy-girl, boy-girl in both lines, and here's some toothpicks, and here's a box of Fruit Loops, and I had everybody line up, and you had to put the Fruit Loop on the toothpick in your mouth, and it it clicked when I started to see that what it looked like during our youth event was every one of our students trying to kiss one another. And I looked over and I thought, David's gonna run me right out of here after this meeting. And I thought maybe this wasn't a good idea. Um, and then when it went south again was, now we had Fruit Loops all over the floor. And if you've ever seen David talk, he doesn't stand still like I am, he's walking like this. So as he's trying to impart wisdom and the Lord's uh, w- uh, word on our teenagers, you just heard. <laughs> and the whole room laughed every time David moved. And I thought, this is it. <laughs> and then uh, fast forward a few years when, when David joined, we had done a, um, we had done a uh, scavenger hunt for the church. And uh, my, my team did not win because uh, I will be the first one to admit that our material was not morally appropriate for being displayed in the church. And it's when I knew I really liked Dave and I knew that we had made the right choice and that we were gonna have, that I was gonna respect him and learn a lot from him because he very gracefully came up to me after seeing that video, knowing that I'm still involved with the youth group and he put his arm around me and he said, none of that. And I thought, <laughs> strike two. Or no, that, was, that was strike three, so I thought I was out. The first time was, um, Brian Weber uh, called me and I was a member of a shore house a- at the Jersey Shore. And I participated in a fundraiser. Um, and if I'm being honest with myself, it was a fundraiser slash a bunch of young people having a good time at the shore doing an event called Tour to Shore. And, I didn't think about the ramifications of my public life and my private life at church. And, but the Cape May Herald and God saw fit to put me on the front page dressed up as a Corona bottle. (laughs) And and though I wasn't doing anything wrong, I was standing next to a woman who was dressed up as a St. Pauli's girl. And we made the front page and that's when I that's when I learned how many people that attended our church have shore homes. And I, I remember where I was on the turnpike and I thought, wow, that's really weird that Brian Weber's calling me on a Saturday morning at 830. And I said, you have the article, don't you? And he said, I do. We need to talk. So I had to come in and speak with Pastor Ritter and, and Pastor Weber about uh, making sure that my my public life and my, my responsibilities at church were in alignment. And I share those because it's funny, but I also share it because it's real. It's why... Um, it's why I struggled for a long time with you know, different things and having to grow. I was always honest. I've had some great mentors from this church, some who have asked to name nameless because a lot of people would like to have them as a mentor and I was fortunate enough to have them as a mentor where I could share real things, real sin that was in my life without judgment and with the the eyes of how to fix it, how to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, We read a book called uh, Secrets of the Vine. The principle surrounding that was about pruning and what it meant to evaluate decisions that you're making, people that you hang out with, things that you do, how you conduct yourself and how you work on prayerfully getting those things out of your life. Um, And I did. But I always felt like, who am I to stand in front of a group of people and share anything because I'm imperfect, which always took me back to that verse in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's me. And I have a saying on my computer, it says, Forgive me, O Lord, a sinner. Just that reminder, and and I didn't like that for a long time because I like to think of myself as good and holy and God fearing. But that acknowledgement of the sin in my life is what has caused me to to grow, and um, the things that I still contend with is judgment. I'm a judgmental person uh, with people. Like you see somebody and you make a judgment, or you say something and you make a judgment. Um, and what I and or my language, I still pray daily about cleaning up my language. I worked in construction for 15 years. That's a hard thing for me. Sometimes I let my language get the best of me. Um, And those things make me feel like I'm not worthy to stand up here and share, or stand in front of high school students and share. But it's because of what Christ did that cleanses me. And I was never a person that really understood, I think in my beginning of my church journey to where I am in my church journey now, I used to, I think I was too proud to talk about how important God was in my personal life, how important my church was because it wasn't popular culture. But as I've grown, I I would say to people, I go to church to, to learn. I go to church to become a better Christian. I don't go to church for the fellowship. I don't go to church for friends because I have that network of things. And as I stand here today compared to 25 years ago, my closest and best friends sit in this room, attend this church are part of my Tuesday morning Bible study. So going back to the value of involvement, um, I've learned more from high school kids about myself than I ever thought that I would share with them. One of the most rewarding things is to hear from one of them years and years and years later about how something that they heard someone in the youth ministry say or heard me say uh, or read in the Bible, how that changed their life. And what's encouraging to me is it wasn't right then. Some of these people are now 30 and 40 years old who I get the gift of hearing back from all these years later. So I would implore you, if you're not involved, that being involved has been very fundamental in my life and my growth. I fear the person that I might be today if it wasn't for attending a strong uh, Bible-based church. I fear what decisions I might have made or what I would have let my peer group lead me to do. And I feel blessed that God pointed me here. And that was because of the involvement. Um, And after getting involved in things here, I started to get a heart for missions. And I also had the wrong interpretation of what missions was about. I thought missions was us great Christians going somewhere to save other people. I had no idea that the first missions trip that I ever went on was gonna further save me. I remember being in Bolivia the first time I went there And there we had gone to an area where a group of men wanted to plant a church. And we walked to this piece of property. They needed $6,000 to buy the piece of property. And all the people that we were with dropped to their knees and they laid down in the dirt with their hands and they prayed. At that moment, I cried because, not because of the land, not because of what we were praying about, but because I realized that in my faith walk that I didn't have the reliance or the trust in my savior that they did. It was extraordinary to see a group of people who believed so with every ounce and every fiber and every thing in their heart and their mind and their soul to pray to God and that he was gonna answer their prayers. And I remember, leaving that trip realizing that I had a lot of work to do in my own life. So I've stayed involved in missions. I went to Bolivia four or five times and um, I even got to go to a graduation of the student that the church um, supported for a number of years. They graduated from college and there was a college graduation for compassion students and Paco saw fit to bring our entire group up. We got to stand and hand out diplomas to people who had heard, who had earned diplomas. And, and I, got, I got to hear um, a commencement speech that was, that was greater than any commencement speech I'd ever heard because it was a Christ-centered uh, commencement speech. And I got to see how all the work that we were doing in sponsoring kids and our visits to meet them. I got to meet my sponsor child four times. I have a new one, forgot what his name is now because I'm standing here and can't grab it. Um, But Rivaldo, my first Compassion student has graduated and last I heard has gone into the military and is trying to pursue something in in the medical field. So that, and I, I got to teach him how to ride a bike. So being involved in the church, Missions has been very important to me, so important that last year when Joan uh, Zeverline asked me to join the missions lead team that I said yes without even thinking about it because um, not only does it serve the Lord and serve the people that uh, in other places and locally, but being involved in missions will change you as a person. So if I could impart any other advice, it would be to not only be involved like you are in men's ministry or other ministries outside of the church, but to also take a look at missions because if it's something that you've prayed about or it's on your heart, it's made a huge difference in my life in keeping me grounded in my faith. Um, As far as missions, I've talked about Bolivia. 30 years ago, we used to go to Kensington uh, the youth group did Bridesburg, and I've, I've seen what it looks like when the youth group does missions and how it changes their hearts, and, and that's what's led me to be uh, where I am today. I can't say enough about being involved in a small group at the church, so that would be the other thing that I could share that's been very valuable to me is a small group, uh, and thank you to Rob who's going away on assignment, our small group that meets at six in the morning now gets to meet temporarily at 6.45. So we're, we're all very excited about not waking up at five o'clock in the morning anymore and kind of flying under the radar of, of darkness for our small group. But that group of men has taught me so much about uh, myself. It's taught me uh, how to be vulnerable, how to share, things that are tough to share, a safe place to share things. Uh, It's been a group where uh, I've seen God work in extraordinary ways in each of our lives and getting to walk through those things uh, with each other has changed me forever. And even situations that seem hopeless or situations that the world would say are gonna go in a certain direction when God's involved in those decisions and Christian men and Christian people are involved in any situation, the outcome is always a little bit different than what the perception is that the world will tell us to go. And that has changed. That's that's a group that I um, wasn't sure that I wanted to be a part of because of the time commitment and the hour, or when I was praying about being in a small group, whether or not I even needed it. And I can honestly tell you that um, it was what I needed most in my life, and has made an, a tremendous difference in my life. Being involved uh, in a small group and um, talking about you know things that are real, and talking about things that uh, you know define who you are. Uh, you know, my. Uh, You know, I know a couple people called and asked my father to be here this morning, and I I don't see him. So I've been trying to, I I, I thought about it when I heard that. What things could I share if he is here? (laughs) What things can I share if he's not here? But I'm nervous about what he would hear if somebody (coughs) shares the recording with him. Um, Because I think one of the things that we all want to be in the eyes of our earthly father is perfect we want to shield things from them so they'll be so i've always thought I want to shield certain things from my my mom or my dad cuz i want them to think i'm perfect i don't want them to know that i did anything wrong and on earth we can get away with that in our faith we can't whether we do it in front of a million people or we do it in the quietness of um, a room by ourselves our our lord and savior knows the condition of our heart he knows the condition of our mind Um, But one of my prayers as a a son was to be involved in the church family with my family. And when I first started coming to Grace Point, my mom mom went to the Catholic church. My dad kind of went kicking and screaming because that's what we did on Sunday mornings. And I would come to two churches. I would go there to honor my mom and dad, and I didn't like it. And I would come here because this is where I felt like I was at home and where I was getting fed and where it was talking about a tangible real relationship with Christ. Um, So for me, it was the right thing to do. Years later, my mother, my brother were baptized here and um, my mom and dad both now attend church here and I get to sit with them every Sunday for a while. My younger brother who was, baptized here, would come with his family. And that was my biggest answer to prayer was that my parents would start to come. And my I, I know the condition of my dad's heart. He's, he is not an emotional Christian. He's not a kumbaya Christian. He's not an involved Christian. But I remember standing on his deck one night 15 years ago and he told me that he believes in God. And as a stoic person that was born in the 40s would say, I have my own situation with God worked out. And I've trusted that. But over the years, I've seen him be more inquisitive. I've seen affirmation uh, from him about his faith. And he comes to church now not just because my mom does or I do. I genuinely believe that he wants to and he listens and pays attention. And that is the greatest answer to uh, any prayer that I, that I ever had, was to, to do that alongside of my family. Though my father wasn't the spiritual leader in my family, my mom was the, the spiritual leader that encouraged us to go to church and to investigate our faith. And um, I know that they're both believers, but what I do wanna share about my family and share more gritty details of a testimony and things that I've seen is to share about the fact that I believe that from my mom and dad that I've experienced the closest thing to what God talks about in the Bible being unconditional love. Because I have three brothers and myself, so I know my mom is a saint for putting up with us in the first place and um and the same for my dad and i would be remiss if i didn't share this my i never believed in uh, i always wanted to hear from god because i i'm a tangible person i like to see things i get angry at god or you know i know that we've all been there where you shake your fist at god you don't understand why he gave you a certain answer to a prayer what is he up to what is he trying to teach me and um, I always, I was the person that would say, you know, he parted the sea and people got to see that. I only get to read about it. He, the burning bush, and I didn't get to see that. You know, where where have you been? Can you do something like that for me now? And I said, it's really difficult for me in my my questioning, my doubt, my feelings of unworthiness to experience God. And my mom said, you know, you experienced God as an infant. And I said, I did, what do you mean? And don't judge her if you see her at church tomorrow. But when I was an infant, she uh, fed me, she was letting me eat peanuts. They didn't know in the 70s that that was a bad idea. And I was jumping on the couch. You know where this story's going the hospital, it was lodged in my throat. And the doctors came and said, We're going to let him rest till morning. In the morning, we have to do invasive surgery on an infant to clear. It's lodged in his air pathway. He's going to have, we're going to cut him open, go in there and get it out of his lung. My grandmother came, my mom and her her sat by my side and prayed all night. And in the morning, the doctor came in and said, they took me off to do the x-ray, to do whatever they needed to do for surgery prep. And the doctor came back and said, I don't know how to explain this because we've never seen this before. It's gone. We have no reason, we have no explanation for it. And my grandmother and my mom said, well, we know exactly why it's gone. We prayed it away. And uh, even hearing that story all my life, I'm like, yeah, it, it just dislodged. Um, a few years ago, and these things, you know, I, I fear sharing them, because I still sometimes feel crazy sharing stuff like this. But if it, mean, it means something to me and if it means something to one person, it's worth sharing. A couple years ago in my job, part of manufacturing, we have racks and forklifts and all kinds of fun toys for men to get in trouble with when OSHA's not paying attention. And I had a extension ladder in our office in Delaware. I was looking for a control number for inventory because I was working on something for taxes and I pushed a ladder up against it and I climbed to the third row of our racks. And um, I was up there looking for the number and I couldn't quite see it. I was a little bit afraid of how high I was on the ladder. And I simply went like this with my, like my tippy toes on the ladder. It was enough that the rubber feet just moved. I was about 15 feet off the ground. And I remember, I just kinda of let go and I fell and my I went right between the wrong and the right side and landed right on my feet, kind of compressed, and I'm standing there and I'm I'm shaking like this and I wasn't hurt. And I was didn't understand how that happened. And it wasn't until a couple of days later when I was telling my accountant that was there, and she reminded me of a story I had told her from two weeks prior. And I'd never shared this with anybody else, because it was for me, it was a eerie, but it was a, a, a blessing. It was a God moment. Two weeks before that, I had been in the building all night working on a project, and I had K-Love playing. And a song had come on by 10th Avenue North. It was called Greater Than All Your Regret. So you remember me saying, I feel unworthy. I think about all the things I've done in my life that maybe weren't glorifying to God. It was something that, you know, my parents wouldn't be proud of. And I'm listening to the words of this song. I'm going back and forth. And I felt like the weight of the world on my shoulders. And it was uncharacteristic for me, but I fell to my knees at three o'clock in the morning in our shop. And I don't raise my hands. I'm not one of those people either. Um, just, I'd like to, I just don't. Um, so one day when you see me do it, please clap because <laughs> it's like 25 years in the making. Um, mainly because my dad's standing next to me and he'll probably smack me. But I fell down. I had my hands in the air and I was I was weeping to the to that song. That song God was speaking to me. And it wasn't until I sat down with the accountant who was talking about falling. She said, "Where did you fall?" I told her, and she goes, "Remember what you told and." My body tingled, it tingles right now. It was in the exact same place that that ladder went and I fell. And I didn't understand why I was protected. I didn't understand what was going on. It was in front of our whole shop, so I was embarrassed. When that fell, I put it right back up and climbed right back up. But it was the same place where that song had brought me to my knees and my hands were raised. And that is a moment where I realized that Jesus in my life really is greater than any regret that I can have. Any bad word that I said, any decision that I made, any uh, choice that wasn't morally right, um, I think God used that, those two things for me to see him. So what I, I share that because I didn't believe that God could tangibly show himself, and he did. I still haven't heard him talk to me, I still haven't seen him part the sea, except for its sight and sound, and that was pretty cool. But I realized that I have to pay more attention to my surroundings. I have to pay more attention to the things that happen in my life. I have to pay more attention to the relationships that I have, because that's where I'm going to, you're going to see God work. And I know that he does. So where does my family um, fit into this unconditional love? Um, some of you know, some of you don't. Over the past 25 years, I have a younger brother who his name is Ryan. He was uh, baptized here. Uh, he has struggled his entire life with an addiction to drugs and now alcohol. His 20-year-old son has been living with me for about the past six months. So um, I'm learning what it's like to have a semi-adult child for the first time in my life that lives at my house and the things that he needs and does. But he's living there because of the situation that that alcohol created in my brother's home. Um, I also have my oldest brother is confided to me that I then made the mistake of saying, you're my brother, I love you, I'll do anything in the world for you though I don't understand. You're my brother and I love you. And he said, can you tell mom and dad? And, and what that detail of life was is that he was a homosexual. He's now married. Um, but the reason I share that is because It's a real life issue. When I share that, it doesn't take long for somebody to say, my uncle, my brother, my son, my friend, um, and the same thing with alcohol. But I share that because I want to share about my mother and my father. Whether they agree or disagree or who they listen to, the way that I've seen them respond to my siblings, the way that I've seen them not judge them, the way that I've seen them come alongside them, the sacrifices that I've seen them make, and the love that I've seen them demonstrate to my siblings. As a Christian, I look at it and I say, that is what the Bible means when the Bible speaks about unconditional love. I get to see it firsthand where they don't give up. They might not like it. They might not understand it. We talk a lot about it. We question God about it. We struggle with it um, and what it means in our faith. We have all those real questions that happen, but they never turn their back. They never said, you know, we're not going to, we're just going to walk away from it. They confronted it and they taught me that. And that's why I know that both of them are God-fearing and they're teach. they've taught me something that I don't know if they realize how significant that is, because it's what has allowed me to turn to my nephew when he was in a time of need. And I didn't say no, and he's the... What's taken place over the last six months with him and I has been nothing uh, less than extraordinary as I've seen him change, I've seen him grow and um, make different decisions in his life. He went from being so angry at both of his parents to now talking about reconciling. And I credit that all to God. Um, So I wanted to be transparent because I think one of the things that God put on my heart was to stand up here and be real, Um, to admit that I'm a sinner, to admit that I don't have all the answers, to uh, give all the credit to the good things that have happened to me in my faith walk, the friends that I've made at this church, the friends that I've made in the world serving God, to give Him all the credit. And it was because He called me here Years ago, uh, he encouraged me to get involved and to be a part of it and not just a taker of it. Uh, he encouraged me to dive into missions and see what that was about. Um, it. He encouraged me to never give up on inviting my family. And so many things with my two brothers uh, are, are, are embarrassing to talk about. It's difficult for my parents to talk about it because of their pride. Um, They don't want anybody to know that their children aren't perfect. And I understand that. But I go back to Romans, where for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I will finish uh, by saying that uh, my transition and growing in my unworthiness came from a mentor-mentee relationship where I'm not sure who the mentor and the mentee is because this young man is 20 years younger than I am. Uh, but one of the wisest, most grounded Christians that I've ever known is young Rich Feeney. And we've had a relationship for 25 years and I got to stand next to him in his wedding and. He's held me accountable for a lot of things in my life and vice versa. And probably 10 years ago, when I was talking about how I didn't feel worthy of being in a position to minister to young people or to have the right to speak to a group of men like you, he said, I want you to watch a movie. And the name of that movie was called Ragamuffin. And Ragamuffin is a Christian movie that is a true story about a singer named Rich Mullins. And in spite of everything that happened in his life and dependence, you know, I've, I've never had a dependency on uh, um, you know anything, Rich Mullins did. I didn't want you to think that's what I was confessing. It was his unworthiness is what I'm talking about. And he was meeting with a, a pastor and he was doing a weekend devotional, and the pastor said to him, I think when we meet God, when I think when you meet God, he was saying to Rich Mullins, that God is gonna ask you one question and one question only. And I think that question's gonna be, did you believe that I loved you right where you were? And the reason that he asked that question is statistically a lot of people, myself included, who call themselves Christians, won't immediately answer that question with yes. For me, I always felt like I needed to be better. I needed to do something more. I needed to be something more. I needed to make less mistakes. I needed to be holier. And that's not what God says in scripture. And that's not what this pastor challenged Rich Mullins was. The question was, do you believe that God loves you where you are right this minute? And for me, that was a big transition in the unworthiness because I realized that we all have something. It might not be as dramatic as what I'm coping with in my family, for things that are challenging to go through your story might even be more challenging it might be less challenging but it doesn't matter because in the eyes of God it's all the same if we're struggling with something we're struggling but he loves us right where we are and the other quote other verse that I had in finishing and it's really short and I think it's uh, very appropriate because it's kind of the mantra of our men's ministry and that's, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So the only thing I can impart to a group of people, Christian men at a church on a Saturday morning is that being involved and serving and paying attention and just accepting my sin has been extraordinarily beneficial for me in my life. And I'm thankful that God has called me to be right where I am today, involved with such a wonderful uh, Bible-based, God-fearing, Christ-loving church with great leadership and with great friends that are encouraging and helpful. So I am open to answer any questions that you have about my life if I left something out. If you're going through something like that that I have experience with in my life, I'm happy to talk about that too. Um, you know, my, life, my life's an open book. I'm an imperfect Christian <laughs> or an imperfect man. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to share with everybody about my walk and who I am as a person and why I'm here.